0: Having caps, checks, and balances will really help save money, puts more money in your pocket, time, conflict with your team as well, where their expectation is this, where our expectation is different. I learned a long time ago that the definition of happiness is reality minus expectation.
1: Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to hopefully a super duper excellent adventure on Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast. We're always excited to share new content. I'm joined today with Gabriel Araish from Montreal and we're going to be discussing how to manage the managers and how to be in another country, which Gabriel is, and how to buy as many assets as possible and still have a great lifestyle, have your real estate revenue replace your current revenue, and what your expectations are as ownership, as the owner, and what you should and should not be doing. And of course, this is always a big question mark for many folks who are investing either out of the state they're in, the area they're in, or the country that they're in, because I do have followers from all over the globe, in all continents, all over the place, which I'm very blessed for and very grateful for. And today we're going to discuss this topic. And of course, this is Big Fat Real Estate Checks. Uh, We're quickly creeping up to uh, the top 1,000 in iTunes. I would love for us to achieve that as soon as possible. If you have friends, family that want to get into a lifestyle where you're not working for money but other people's money are working for you then you really should share this if you like and uh, we would be very grateful to do that and of course for you to do that and we would be very grateful for you to do that and of course giving us your positive comments is always helpful as well and we appreciate our loyal followers so thank you so much for being there for us if not we'd be talking to no one and we appreciate you listening in on this. Hopefully very, very good content for you. So Gabriel, when we first met, you were investing only locally in Montreal, where you live. Uh, You were really focused on doing something local. We met and expanded your horizons a little bit over six years ago now, I believe, where now you invest all over the United States. So tell us a bit about that journey, if you will, just for a second. And how is it that someone is listening to this for the first time and have not listened to previous episodes, which I highly recommend. How do you buy properties that are not in your area
1: and manage them and do a really good job at it, which you do? Well, thanks for having me and thank you to a loyal uh, listener. You're the reason why we're creeping up to that thousand or top thousand on iTunes. Uh, Yeah, my journey in terms of, well, we're gonna look at it from a management standpoint today of what I used to do and what I do now. The first thing is when I was local here in Montreal, I had a couple of units and essentially I had to deal with all the tenants and the tenant problems. And luckily for me, I guess to a certain extent, I was only into condos. I had four condos, so that's only four tenants, but it still drove me nuts. I would get calls for the randomest things. I even got calls for neighbors disturbing. And, you know, not only do I have to deal with the tenant, but I got to deal with the admin, all the bills. If there's repairs, I need to have somebody go there. I got to make all the calls. It was getting heavy on me, and it was something that. It's not the part of real estate that I enjoyed. So I understood real estate was a good vehicle for me to end up having a great retirement with cash flow, but the actual day to day of it was was not something that I actually enjoyed. So I think parallelly once I met you and understood that I can invest in the US at the onset I have to admit, I was really terrified because here I was in my own backyard and having these issues with managing four tenants, which are maybe a 20, 30 minute drive at most from my place. And now I'm going to be buying units that are thousands of miles away from me. And how the hell am I going to manage that? And so once I understood that I wasn't going to be managing it, I got a little bit excited because then they're like, great, that's the part I hate about real estate. So if someone else can take care of it, that's awesome but then how do we know that they're doing a good job and that was the part where I struggled with at first and so I had to come up with a solution or a system that I think was refined between the first property I bought and today which was I guess six years ago and today we got a lot better at it and so that's what I want to share with you today I guess or I think I don't know if you want to cover specifics or do you want to go over what we do from A to Z when it comes to managing the manager.
0: Well I think a general overview would definitely be in order I think we can go into details based on how much time we have but well first of all so it is possible to buy properties that are not even in your country and have
1: good managers take care of it and you
0: still be profitable a hundred percent
1: once you have the system in place it's a lot easier In my opinion, than to deal with the property in my own backyard, because I think if it was in my own backyard, I'd still be tempted to have to go see it or call the tenants or talk to them and whatnot. So, for me personally, after this uh, evolution, I want to call it, is I wouldn't buy property in my backyard again. At least I don't think so.
0: (laughs) Many folks that get into investing, they want to see it, touch it, smell it, they want to taste it, they want to know that. They can go there if there's a problem, but if you have good management in place, you don't actually have to have any of those things. In fact, it's better if you're not there because you're going to screw up a really good relationship between management and tenants. You don't want necessarily to be known as the owner either because then you're getting the phone calls. You're getting the complaints. Your tenants can be very sneaky sometimes and pit one to management against ownership, which we never want to get into. So let's get into the first, the general overview, and then we can go into specifics, maybe even on another episode, if someone wants to uh, dive in on the specifics of it. But I think a general overview is definitely something that we can get into. So. I'll let you take the bull by the horns. We own properties together and you're actually the one that manages the manager. So you're really good at this. So this is a really great opportunity for those that are listening to really hear some really phenomenal systems that you've put into place that I have to tip my hat off to you. You've done a really amazing job in. This is something that you're really
1: spectacular at. So show us the way you are Yoda (laughs) appreciate it so I'm gonna go from the premise we've covered how to pick your manager in a previous episode so I'm gonna go from the premise that you've done this and you've selected the right manager or at least the one you think is the right manager for your property so on a month-to-month basis what is it that we do in order to control and see what's going on on the property just a quick sidebar on that how to pick a manager is going to be another topic
0: that we can have on another podcast so if you're wondering well how the heck do I find a manager how do I even entertain that process that's something that we can table for another time but we do have very specific processes already in place on how to find really spectacular management in pretty much any area of the country and how to vet those folks and how to make sure they're already in place so we're going to make the assumption that you already know this and if you don't just listen to that episode when it comes out or if it hasn't already come out and we'll take it from there sorry Gabriel for interrupting you go ahead
1: All good. So what we want to do is really prepare and create a system that the managers will follow. So you're kind of giving them either a checklist or a roadmap in order for them to follow so that you can properly manage them on a month-to-month basis. So the first item that you have to be weary of is is the revenues, right? That's the driving force behind your real estate. So how do we ensure that all the revenues are properly accounted for every month and properly collected? Obviously, the manager is paid based on their collection capacity. So if they collect 100% of the rent, then they are paid a percentage of that rent. Well, they're paid always on a percentage, right? So whatever they collect, they're going to be paid in accordance with that. So we want to make sure they do that, though, because like I said, the driving force for us is the collected rent. So what we do is that on 10th of each month following the end of a month, so say we're November 30th, then by December 10th or December 15th, depending on the size of the property, we ask that the manager provide us with a report that tells us exactly who's paid the rent and how much, who's behind, as well as provide us with a list of all the expenses that they've gone through. So if they've had to change light bulbs or go do a little bit of maintenance, we don't have to approve every small maintenance issue. So if they have to change anything, say under $500 or sometimes it's under $200, again, that's gonna be a system that you're gonna put in place based on the size of your property. But say anything under $200, they have sort of like a petty cash that they deal with, which we reconcile on a monthly basis. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But the bottom line is they got to send us a report And it's detailed. So what do we get? We get who's paid, who hasn't paid, who's behind the current month, and hopefully there shouldn't be more than one month. And we also get a copy of all the invoices that are related to any expenses that in theory, they must have had communicated with us saying, Hey, you know what? We have a problem in this unit uh, during the month. And this is all done through WhatsApp or messaging uh, at first. And then at the end, like I said, at that cycle at the 10th of the month or the 15th of the month, they'll send you the invoices. that kind of support those expenses. So from a revenue standpoint, it's very simple. You know exactly what your rent roll is on a monthly basis. So you should have a copy of each lease in your file somewhere. So you know how much rent should be coming in any given month. And you're going to do two things. The first one is you're going to compare how much rent you collected in that month to the rent roll. And then the second step is you're going to look at your bank statement, or at least that's what we do. We look at our bank statements and make sure that the amount of cash that was deposited in that given month does match the amount that the manager told us they've deposited, which matches also the rent roll. And obviously if there's a discrepancy between the amount of rent deposited and the rent roll, then that's late rent. And that should also match with your manager's report and how much late rent they think there is.
0: So it's a three point check. You have bank account, rent roll. Manager's report. Manager's report and you cross-check all those three.
1: Correct. How long do you think that takes generally? I was just gonna get into that. It, Yeah, that's all good, but I guess depending on how many units, but it shouldn't take you more than a half hour. Okay. I'd say half hour even long, but just that's, that's a lot of units hours. in half an hour. Yeah. For the people that are slower, yes, yes, yeah. Does this number match this number? That matches this number. Now, what if they're all three are different? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. So, the bank statement is really what you've collected. Obviously, this is the cash you actually have, so that should be your main account that you have to validate. So, if that amount is different, then is it higher or lower? And then if it's lower. Then what the managers told you, then you got to ask them, well, where's the rest of it? And if it's never going to be different, so the rent roll is always going to be your highest amount. Unless you have late rent on one month and then everybody catches up the following month, then obviously your bank account is going to be higher than your total rent roll for that month. But generally speaking, what you want to make sure is that the only risk for you is that your manager is stealing from you at this point. Uh, or they're not collecting so if that's what you want to check so if the manager says i've deposited x amount of dollars and you go into your bank account and it's lower then you got to find out why and i know that it's counterintuitive for someone to also ask a question if there's more money in the account than what the managers told you but that's something i would want to ask because it could be a mistake or it should be from an accounting standpoint, it might be trouble for you when you get to the end of the year and then your accountants start asking you these questions. So the faster you resolve these issues and reconcile your revenues, the easier it's going to be for you moving forward. And I know it all sounds complicated, but it's not. It's really a couple of numbers that you got to match. And if they don't match, you find out why and it'll always match. It should always match ultimately with an explanation or with the two numbers. So the revenues are taken care of and Again, if you're paying your manager on a percentage of revenue basis, which usually that's how it works, then you have to understand what the manager's bias is. Their bias is if I'm paid a percentage of revenues, then it's in the manager's best interest to make sure that there is the most amount collected. And this is the only risk for you to saying, hey, the manager says he's deposited 10,000, but you only see 9,000 in the account. He wants to be paid on 10,000. So you got to make sure that that's correct before you pay them out. So I think that kind of covers revenues here uh, for us. The next step is really checking on expenses and most expenses are fairly simple. Like if your taxes are paid monthly, that should be pretty much always the same amount. Otherwise, you know which months you're going to be paid taxes in those amounts all come into your bank account. So. If you print out your bank statement for the month, you should be able to identify each number and what that represents. So if that month you have a tax payment, you'll see that the city came and take a tax payment if it's an automatic debit or if you've paid it out with a check, then you're going to see a copy of your check that says you've paid for taxes. That's pretty simple. Insurance is going to come out every month. It's always going to be the same amount. Should you automate those expenses or do you think,
0: do you have it where the manager pays all the expenses for you? Do you have a more hands-on approach where you're the one writing the checks all the time? How are you handling that payout? Before you get too deep into
1: the rabbit hole. Yeah, good question. So personally, I like to automate as much as possible the third-party billing because once it goes through the account and it's direct, you always see who's taking the money out, and it's a lot easier for me to find out what. Because the numbers, I will never remember the numbers. I mean, there's so many properties that we have to do this for that, you know, if it says sixty nine dollars and twelve cents, like there's nothing that tells me that's insurance or whatnot. But if it says, you know, this insurance company, for example, then I'll know it's insurance and I'll know where to look. In terms of checks, we generally control the checkbook. So if there's any checks to be written out, we'll do them. But we again, we try and minimize the check amount. It's going to be only the manager's payment that's going to be by check. Maybe there's some bills that need to be taken care of by check. But generally, the bills come to us, they don't go to the manager. In some cases, they will, and they'll just send them to us. The most important part is just have a proper filing system. Every time you do get a bill, just put it in the right folder for that property so that it's easy for you to make the checks. And you'll see, again, these are all systems, controls, they're things that you put in place once and then are just a simple drag and drop, save in the right folder. It's not complex unless you don't do it. If you don't do it and you drag that out for months, then it's going to be hell. I've done that once and that's why I've come up with all these systems because it takes me maybe an hour for the entire property to do everything because everything is filed at the right time as soon as I get it. That's an hour per month, not per day. Oh, no, per month. That's right. Oh, 100%. Yes, no, that's not one. I wouldn't do it if it was an hour a month, an hour, hour a day. <laughs> an hour a month?
0: That's a lot of work. To make ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 a month, it's terrible. That's a terrible amount. I know. I'm trying to reduce that to like 30 minutes, but it's not working out yet. I'm trying to find more systems. <laughs> that's <laughs> per property. More so. Systems. Obviously the more properties you have then the more time it's going to take and at one point once you have enough then you have someone to do that role that you oversee so either the dollars and cents of it will make sense to create that oversight. So what else we got so you have the expenses that are being checked you've got the expenses that are being checked now what
1: so yeah revenues expenses are checked but part of the expenses there's certain things that are very variable like maintenance for example and that goes hand in hand I was mentioning petty cash earlier so the way we operate is that we'll give our our managers some leeway, we'll give them like a $500 spending petty cash, it's usually they have their own actual bank account for that $500, and they have a debit card for that account only, and they can pay for things. So they got to go to Home Depot, they got to go pick up you know, some items for maintenance issues that they're fixing. They don't need approval for the $500, but what happens is that at the end of the, each month, if they want that $500 replenished, they got to be sending us the invoices that total the missing amount in that account. So we reconcile that account. So say one month, at the beginning of the month, it's always $500, and then At the end of the month, we see that it's at $200. So we know that there's $300 worth of expenses that were paid by the manager through that account. Now we got to make sure that reconciles. So the manager with their report that the 10th of each month, they should be sending us the invoices or the bills that total that $300 and we will only replenish the account to the extent we have that invoice. So if they only show us bills for $250, then we're only putting $250 back in that account, and then they're stuck operating with that budget from now on. And if that keeps happening time over time, then that's a discussion that you have to have with the manager. That usually happens only once, at least with us. So we'll have that discussion, and they know that the next time this happens, there's no excuses. It's either you have the bill or you don't. And if you don't, then it's on you to replenish. That account needs to be at $500, and it's going to come out of your pocket. So what we'll do is, we have an understanding with the manager. If that happens, then whatever their pay is for that month, we'll deduct the amount to bring that $500 back to 500 and then we'll pay them out the rest. But again, that's very rare unless your manager is stealing from you.
0: It's good if it happens once, tell you the truth, because then they know that you're paying attention to it, number one. They're being monitored, number two, and they're responsible for any loss. And that only have to happen once before they get it. And if they're clever, they're going to never do that again. So the early that that happens, the better it is because it trains them very quickly that you're not going to mess around. Anyone, no matter how professional they are, eventually becomes a teenager and tries to figure out what they can get away with and cut corners. And if you aren't on top of expenses, revenues, collections, even if it's a very a simple question like, why is this like this? Or the bank account says this, the rent roll says that, but your report says this, what happened? That simple question where they see that they're being monitored will completely change how diligent they are in the future. So these are very important, I'm gonna call them rituals to have on a monthly basis to maintain your portfolio, make sure your revenue is either stable or going up and making sure that the manager and management team is staying honest and on track.
1: That's right and again, it's on you to make sure you deal with it When it happens that first time, whether it's early on or later on, it's on you to make sure you deal with it right away and not let it go, saying it's never happened before and let's keep going because then that first chance that you... So, you know, let's say you're... We're all human, right? We've all lost... A bill before you know we went to put gas and we brought the bill we came out of the car it kind of flew with the wind carrying all this stuff and we only find out when we get in that we don't have it we're human so generally the first time is almost that I don't want to say it's always a freebie because you can tell what type of manager you have but say this has happened for a year that you've been on the system and then at one point they forget that $20 bill from Home Depot they, they can't find it you can tell them there and say hey this is your mulligan and But from now on, this is what happens. And no matter what the excuse is, we understand it's on you to be diligent. This is your freebie. But from now on, we're going to deduct it from your pay. And if you don't address that that one time, then it's almost like you're giving them a freebie every single time. And like Marco said, that's when they start, I guess, testing the limits of what you're willing or what they can get away with. So this is all on you. And this is why we've come up with these systems, is so that we leave the least amount of items up for chance or up for debate. It's always black or white there's no in between or we try and remove as many of the gray zones as possible from our processes very good so from an expense standpoint that's it we cover the maintenance and the petty cash one thing that's happened to us and this is something that you have to be careful and this is i guess the only gray zone that We're still kind of trying to find a better way to deal with, but depending on where your property is, sometimes you're in a more remote area. So I know we have a property that's, and specifically this one is in an area where there's, you know, it's a smaller town, there's not much there. And having a handy person come in to work is harder to come by. And so you always use the same person and all of a sudden you see that the labor side of the maintenance work. So you have the supplies and then you have the labor. The labor side, if you don't keep an eye on that, they'll tell you it took me six hours to do something, but if you're not reviewing every single labor items, now, they could be saying that it took them six hours to paint one wall. And if you don't catch that, they're gonna keep doing that. And that's the easiest way for maintenance to kind of rob you indirectly and to make more money for the work. It's happened to me. Unfortunately, we weren't keeping track of this because the relationship between the maintenance and the manager was good. And what we didn't know is that the manager wasn't really quite aware of how much time it took to do things. So we had to come up with a different system. The first thing we did is we called out the maintenance guy said, hey, We just called six other people and they told us that this type of work only takes two hours. You have like... 12 hours here for this job. So what's going on? And have them kind of talk. Eventually, they'll incriminate themselves. I mean, we know what the answer is, but it's nice to have them talk it out because the more they talk it out, the more they realize that we're not idiots. And so again, you have to deal with this, but it's an iffy road because if that's the only maintenance person you can find to do work and they decide that they're never gonna come and do work for you, it's like I said, it's a fine line and you gotta tread carefully, but at the same time, they can't keep walking all over you. So you have to deal with this, but this is probably the grayest of the zones that you're going to have when you're managing the the management of the park it's a good idea
0: to get quotes before you have a maintenance person as well so you could avoid those problems we can have a whole episode just on this on how to make sure you're not in a position where you're getting a bill where it's 16 hours at 12 bucks an hour to change a light bulb or 16 hours at 30 bucks an hour to change a light bulb or to change a toilet seat which we've seen and people will do what they think they can get away with. So keeping an eye on things is important. Also in a lot of our agreements we have with our managers, we have caps as to how much they can actually spend per month per unit. So if they bless as opposed to per time. So many management contracts will have, okay, well there's going to be a 10% override on all the maintenance that's done, which is a problem inherently because they're being compensated for sending out maintenance man for problems. So they're going to find as many problems as they can, which will chew into your bottom line. So we remove that and created caps. So no more than X amount of dollars, $200 per month per tenant. That way, if it goes over and they actually do spend money, it's on them, it's not on us. And we had that conversation early on. So having caps, checks and balances will really help save money, puts more money in your pocket, time, conflict with your team as well where their expectation is this, where our expectation is different. I learned a long time ago that the definition of happiness is reality minus expectation.
1: That's it, so all in all, what you need to remember is have systems in place almost before you buy a property, have that discussion with your management of what you expect from them on a monthly basis, and then keep following up. So if you tell them that, what I usually do is when I speak to a manager before I hire them, Part of it is reporting. So how are you going to report to us? This is what we expect. We expect you on the tenth of each month following the end of the month to provide us with a report with all these things. The revenues, copies of the deposits, all the expenses. And we ask them, is that reasonable? Do you think you can do that? And if they sometimes they say, you don't know, no, I got this, 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 that, like, okay, so what would be good for you? And if they say, Well, you know, fifteenth of the month would be great. And you're like, okay, so fifteenth of the month. But now they've stipulated that they've created the expectation for themselves. So if they're late on the 15th, that's on them. You got to get back to them and say, hey, it's the 15th. We still don't have anything. We have to do our reporting. And if you keep doing this every month, so your reporting is done accurately every single month, at the year end, when it's time for you to pay your taxes or do your tax return, and your accountant's asking for all the stuff, that's also gonna all already be done for the most part. You're only gonna have that 12th month to deal with. And so that's where I tell you that it saves you time, because if you had to kind of reconcile this on a month-to-month basis once in the entire year, you know, do you really think that the manager's gonna remember why there was a difference between the, the rent for Unit 103 on January 5th when it's December 12th? It's just impossible, and again, It's happened to us. I mean, this is a, this is kind of the culmination of a bunch of mistakes that were done and learning processes. And I'm trying to share that with you so that you don't make these same mistakes. So when I say, Processes, controls, and systems are important. They're extremely important. You have to put them in place right away, and you'll see what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, and you can obviously refine it based on your own set of skills and what you're good at, but the bottom line is if you can validate revenues and make sure there's a clear path to reconciling what's in your bank account to what the manager is telling you, and that you're able to get bills for every single expense that manager has spent the money on from the petty cash account, you should be fine for the most part and that's it and the rest are like we said utility bills taxes but that's all as long as you check the bills make sure you check them we've had another episode check your bills to make sure that they're accurate of
0: course now that covers the financials pretty much killed that Uh, nothing much more to discuss there what about finding tenants or evicting
1: tenants or problem tenants how do you handle those Well, a bunch of different ways. So the manager, usually before we hire them, we got to make sure that they have a very deep knowledge of the eviction process and we make them take care of this. They have to inform us when they're evicting and why, and then they have to inform us of the costs. And also we have a discussion. on. This is obviously on a case-by-case basis. Evictions is not something that we do much because we have a good process to get tenants in but it's good to speak of evictions because sometimes when you buy the property you may start off with a lot of evictions and then have to work your way back to a good tenant base but just make sure that your manager has experience in evictions especially in the state that you're in because every state has their own rules and if they do have the experience then you just have to be familiar what the costs are whether there's court fees or filing fees or whatnot usually those are minimal and they're Part of the ongoing process and there's no real way at least that i've witnessed that they can steal from you except if they tell you the court fees are hundred dollars and they're really only 60 all the time so you got to familiarize yourself with that on your end but that's not a big deal i think the most important part is how to deal with the tenant acquisition process and so like i said the first thing is that if your manager is paid on a percentage of collected revenues it's in their best interest to have a full building because that's the maximum amount that they can go collect so that incentivizes the manager to go put in a new tenant that being said they can also put just a random person there and keep changing them whenever they can just so that they get paid. So you want to make sure that these are good tenants. So we have a credit check and a criminal background check that gets put into place. And that's something that the manager, when they interview the tenants, they have to provide us with a background check. They have to tell us that they've done it, what they found and send us the report. Same thing with the credit check. And they have to kind of build a case for the tenant to come in and live there. And we have a call with our managers once a month and one call that deals with everything. So we deal with the financial side of, hey, you know, there's a discrepancy here, there, what, you know, whatnot? not, can you explain? But we also have a discussion on if there's a new tenant, say, hey, you know, we got three units vacant. So what are we doing this month for this? Well, you know, I've, I've had a bunch of applications. I'm going through the process. I've had to refuse this one for this reason, or this one has done the credit check and the background check. We're waiting on those reports. So there's an open communication. Now, we like to trust our manager, but verify. So that gives them sort of the confidence that we trust their judgment. But if we see that we have to evict a lot of the tenants that they put into place, then that's where you notice a problem. And sometimes you can give bonuses based on a new tenant coming in if they stay a certain amount of time because what you don't want is a tenant coming in, causing a mess, and then you have to evict them. So the manager got paid for that month, that extra percentage because they had someone in there, but it's costing you a lot more money than that because they ruined the place on the way out and then you have court fees, eviction fees, and whatnot. So we like to align the performance of our properties with the manager's paycheck. So what we do is on a month to month basis, we compare it to the prior year that they were there. And we we tell them that you know if there's a percentage increase in the rental income, then there's also a percentage increase in your, or a bonus if you will, in your paycheck. So we kind of control the tenancy in that sense, but it depends on what state you're in, what the tenancy is like, if there's a lot of vacancy in properties in that neighborhood or not. But in our case, we'll, we'll use all the third party, like HUD is a great place to go get tenants. If you want some Section 8 tenants, that's guaranteed rent. You don't even have to worry about collections, but your manager has to be familiar with that because there's different inspections that the HUD will come out and do to make sure that your property is adequate for a Section 8 tenant. And so if they're familiar with the process, then they know exactly how it works. And when they get a report, they go fix that right away if there are deficiencies so that they can put in a HUD tenant in there. I'd say that's pretty much what we do in terms of the tenants acquisition process
0: so making sure the manager or management company or management team is familiar with the rules and regulations on evicting making sure that they focus on solid tenants going in i'd rather have a vacant unit for two months than just throw someone in and have no vacancy when just a couple days a there's a waiting list let's just grab the next person on the list they're in they don't pay and then takes a whole bunch of time to evict plus court fees and court cost and whatever damage they put in there and now we're screwed. We actually lost money on that one and we're now more vacant than we were before. So just like in business, slow to hire, fast to fire, exactly the same process. We want to really find good tenants that want to stay there long term, that want to take care of the property and we have checks and balances with that process as well.
1: And never, well I say never, it depends who you're working with. If you're working with a professional management fee, this can happen because it's in their agreement, but try to never, pay your manager for a new tenant. So by them finding you a new tenant, paying them out a fixed or flat fee. So some will ask for half a month's rent or a month's rent for each tenant that they bring in. If you were to do this, we never do this. We really try and never do this. We find different ways to compensate our managers that are more performance based. But if you end up in a situation like this, just make sure that there is a safety net for you, that if the tenant leaves within a certain period of time, they have to find you someone else for free, for example, or that they have to not take payment for the next two tenants that they come in with. This incentivize them from just putting anybody in your property because that's your problem, it's not theirs.
0: You could also do it, we're happy to pay you for the tenant that you found, but after three months of good payment and then another three months of good payment. So it's done over the longevity and the quality of the tenant that gets put in there. If we haven't already, I think we have tools and tips and tricks on management and how to find the best management team possible. In the classes that we have, we also teach on how to vet and ask questions and have pretty solid management contracts that we can use as well with management companies. So there's another option there. But at the end of the day, good management will make or break you. There are two things that will really fuck you in this business. Number one is not buying it right and number two is bad management and having the wrong team in place. And sometimes that bad management, you're part of the problem as the owner. You're not monitoring, you're not saying when something goes wrong, you're just letting things slide, you see it happen but you're not saying anything because you don't want to rock the boat. You're actually doing the tenants a disservice, you're doing the management company a disservice and the building a disservice, the, the investors a disservice by doing that. So don't be part of the problem. And it's not a hard thing to do, it's just, What's happening? You're just asking for an explanation, and that's it.
1: It's, it's amazing that you just mentioned this. We just had a student just come to us and say, Hey, I haven't been able to reach my manager, and this student is like Australia, and just can't reach the manager for their property and was asking for advice on what they should do or like okay good so how long has this been going on just so we're expecting a couple of weeks it's been 10 months so 10 months that nobody's been to that property that person hasn't been collecting any money hasn't been reaching anyone and hasn't done anything really to figure things out And we're like what like why is this coming out now so when we see that as an owner you are potentially part of the problem. It usually is the case if it's a management issue because you haven't dealt with it right away. This is like a band-aid. You got to rip it out. You just can't take your time and let things slide because problems compound and when they compound, they can become excessively massive that it costs, it'll just cost you too much to get it back to normal, in which case you may just have to let go of the property and default on it. So if, especially if it's related to piping or water issues or whatnot, if they're not addressed right away, that's gonna cause you a lot of problems. So a hundred percent right, Marco. It's a good point that you bring up. Like you as an owner, you're always responsible because it's your property. That's why you have to have systems controls and deal with it right away.
0: It comes down to minding your own business. You have to mind your own business. Mind it. It's your business, it's your future, it's your money. But you need a team. You can't do it yourself. You can't think of, I want to mow the grass myself on my own properties because then you're working for eight bucks an hour mowing grass when you should be finding assets that make you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So it's not a good use of your time. And having a team doesn't mean having employees. It just means outsourcing the work for a fee. Correct. Correct. And finding the best possible people because the best people actually make you money. They don't cost you money at all. You're always going to do well having the right team members in place. Wealthy people don't have bozos working around them. You can't fly like an eagle if you're surrounded by turkeys. That's for damn sure. So on that note, hopefully that was helpful. You don't have to find the tenants, you don't have to be there for closing, which we haven't discussed, but this is more on the management side. Someone is depositing the, the, the money on your behalf and you can see the money's being deposited, you can see the money is there, you have reports. Everyone wants the, the project to do well because they're all compensated as it does better, which just makes sense. The better you do, the better they do, the more money they make, which means they want more business, which means they want you to buy more property so they can make more money and they're skilled and enjoy management. If that's something you enjoy, then shit, do that and deal with those tenants. And there are a lot of people that love managing properties. I don't, but some people do. So have those kind of people really managing that business for you so you can shine and buy more properties. Anyway, I hope this was helpful. Hope you learned a little bit and are not scared of investing in the United States as a foreign national or in other areas if you're in the United States. If you're in California and you're used to extremely low returns, There are states that will give you double digit returns if you just learn how to invest in those states and have the right teams in place. And knowledge is power. Knowledge applied is power, I should say. Having the knowledge and doing nothing is the real tragedy in this lifetime. So I appreciate you very much. Hope you're enjoying the big fat real estate checks. And of course, if you love it, share it. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Gabriel, thank you so much for your intimate knowledge. I appreciate you.
1: Likewise. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, This course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.